Welcome to This Week in Hearing. I'm Gail Hannon, a hearing health advocate. I'm a writer for Hearing Health Matters and other publications. I'm the author of two books, uh, including Here and Beyond, Live Skillfully with Hearing Loss with Sherry Ebert. And I'm also a speaker on living the best possible life with hearing loss. Here's something the younger me would never have considered possible. An audiologist who also wears hearing aids. How would that person with hearing loss be able to assess my hearing loss? Let's find out. This week, I am delighted to be speaking with Nashley Brogan. Uh, she's from Sarnia, Ontario. And Nashley is an experienced audiologist with a 19-year career. Uh, it's marked by her dedication to assisting those with hearing loss and tinnitus. Oh, great. Let's, don't get me going on tinnitus. As a founder and a leader of uh, a successful hearing care practice, she prioritizes innovative, patient-focused care and plays a vital role in helping bring along new hearing care professionals. You sound exactly what my favorite audiologist would be, but I'm across the country, so I'll just have to stick with the ones I've got. That's great. Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, okay, tell me about your hearing loss and and just uh, as, as much as you like, but I just, um, tell me about your hearing loss and then I wanna know what came first. What came yes. first? I will. I will. I'm a very open book, so I share my journey. Um, so I was born with normal hearing. And when I was in junior high, I started noticing I was having trouble. And my parents took me for a hearing test when I was 14. And at that time, I was diagnosed with a very slight hearing loss, but not enough for hearing aids back then. But this is in the 1990s before digital. And the audiologist told my mother at the time that I was going to have a progressive hearing loss. And, and that was it. And I went home. I continued through high school. I was, I competitively danced all across Canada, played several musical instruments and had all marks in the nineties. But I didn't know that the bell rang in the school between every, like every class. So I had no idea there was a bell and people would say, Nashley, you're always daydreaming or you're such a snob. Right. And we didn't know at that time that I was basically losing my hearing more and more. Um, so when I was 18, a month after I graduated from high school, I went to a different audiologist and a different ear, nose and throat specialist. And I was fit with hearing aids and she became my mentor. Um, I left for France four weeks later to live with a French family for a year. And I was fit with behind the ear hearing aids. And my hearing loss was progressively changing at this point. Um, and I wasn't very happy. Now, my audiologist at that time said, you have to stimulate your brain because someday you're possibly going to need cochlear implants. So you have to wear your hearing aids all the time nationally. And I did follow that advice. But when she wanted me to get an FM system, I was like, no, I am not wearing a box. And when I would go back and visit her every year when I came home from university, she'd be like, you should be an audiologist. And I was doing a biology degree and psychology degree. And I was like, no way. And I ended up going to Africa for pre-medicine, but I was in the I was in the OR and the doctor was working and they wore masks. And I realized that I could never work in a hospital because they're treating me like I'm stupid because I can't hear what they're saying. So I came back from Africa, kind of crushed, but then I went home to see my audiologist and she gave me the article by Mark Ross. 
And she gave me his article. And at that time, I was in my fourth year of psychology and biology. And I'm like, I want to study audiology. I want to study how people cope with hearing loss. Like, why am I struggling so much to accept this? So at that time, we were giving me different size hearing aids. I got digital hearing aids, the first in North America. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to, I spent a year and another audiologist, Dennis Herks, he, he mentored me for a year and I started researching how people cope with acquired hearing loss. At this point, I'm losing all my hearing. I graduate, get into audiology. And that was a whole story. That could be a whole podcast. Um, if you want to talk about my experience training to be an audiologist, because they were so worried about my ability to test. Exactly. And that would, uh, when I, I sort of think about having an audiologist with hearing loss, how can they, you know, test? How can they hear the little things that you need to do? And I, I'm assuming so much of it is automated now, uh, but it was uh, um, something that I would have worried about, you know, but I would have said, could I have someone else? You know, <laughs> um, I mean, that's fascinating. So um, I actually would like to hear more about that process that uh, you talked about. Um, I mean, now. becoming an yeah. audiologist. Yeah, um, so I do have actually, and it's interesting, I do have different students in audiology across Canada now who reach out to me and actually one recently in the States who had hearing loss and they had the same concerns I had in 1999 and 2000, um, 23 years ago, was there there isn't actually, having a hearing loss being an audiologist really doesn't stop you from doing anything because a lot of the stuff that is more difficult because of your hearing loss are just technical things. So whether it's an assistant helping you or a secretary helping you, a big part of being an audiologist is counseling, treatment planning, having conversations. They don't rely on, and the machine, the equipment, like every time a person, person presses the beep, the button, when they hear the beep, the equipment lights up. You can still see. You can put an FM system in the sound booth. If you're doing word discrimination, you can have them point to a picture. Um, you can also use an assistant to score. Um, so what I realized as I was training, but they were, they were hard on me. It, it was a hard three years. I would say the hardest point in my entire career was training to be an audiologist. Um, what I didn't realize, and I tell every future audiologist that's now who has a hearing loss, because there's usually about one a year in the Canadian programs who has a hearing loss, is that you have superpowers and your superpowers are going to come into play when you become a clinician that are very hard to train someone for. Um, so getting around the technical issues, you can get around them, but then teaching a person to connect with another person is very powerful in understanding their journey. And this is what I really would like to talk <laughs> about because um, it is so important for that connection. And that's something that I know we're on the same page with as, as a recipient of hearing care. Um, I need to have that connection with my audiologist. And it's something that we, the consumers with hearing loss say that we're not getting this. And, you know, it's individual to everyone. I have seen the change. And I would say out of all the audiologists that I've had through my many years of, of, of life, uh, is that most Almost all audiologists, they've been passionate about what they do, and I've liked working with them. But there have been times when it hasn't, it's been less than successful. So tell me how your hearing loss makes you a better audiologist sitting across the um, chair to chair, me, you. How would you 
how are you a better um, care person for me than if you didn't have um, hearing loss? I truly understand their fears. Um, you know, it, it's an acceptance journey. And even myself, I'm still going through this journey. I mean, I, I received two cochlear implants on both. I, I wear bilateral cochlear implants. And um, so I eventually lost all my hearing. And even when I got implanted, hadn't talked on the telephone for 10 years. So um, I understand what it's like to be scared of the treatment not working or the process um, to have an ear mold changed in your ear to hurt that first week, but you have to put it in, but you don't want to put it in. Um, to take them out every night and be like, you know, because I always say treatment is like on and off, on and off. Like, I don't want to go every night to take it off. Like that, I mean, we're built to hear, I think, 24-7. So I think as an audiologist, it just allows me to understand their fears. And then it also allows me to understand what happens in the real world. So we do all this stuff with hearing treatment. And then we send them out, out into the real world. And I mean, wind and noise and just the day to day. And then with the public, it's understanding that journey, right? Because that's where I think when I was trying, as an audiologist, I was privileged to be able to try every manufacturer's brand. I mean, I was even at Western as a student, they would send me every brand, every premium hearing aid on the market. I got to demo and try. I still did right up until I like cochlear implants. But no matter what hearing aid I wore, or what you know level it was or anything, I had to leave my office and go out and sit in a restaurant or get in a car or try to hear my children when they were really, really young. Um, so I think that that allows me to connect with the patient because I understand the process, what I call the treatment journey. I understand holistically that like, you know, there's their fears and their limiting beliefs. And then there's what they're coming to me with. And then what I'm telling them, and then also what they leave the office with. Cause once you start hearing treatment or you give a person hearing aids or they change different brands or upgrade, um, it all starts over again. I don't think it's not like, you know, I used to hate getting new hearing aids. I mean, it'd be like, oh, like I got to get a new ear molds and I got to get a new buttons. And I and, and and I don't think that's where it's understanding that you're changing a person's whole life, right? From big, from morning to night. It's not, it's very different than just putting glasses on. It's a very much more transformation and cochlear implants were a whole new identity. So I felt like I, I went from normal hearing to completely deaf. So I had this hearing impaired identity. Then I got implants and now I have a cochlear implant identity, which means every night when I go to bed, I have no hearing at all because I have two cochlear implants. Or if I'm getting a shower or a bath, it's just like, it's a different thing. I So the identity of wearing hearing aids is very identity, different identity to wear cochlear implants in terms of what you experience in your environment, just the feeling, the sensation, the environmental awareness. like. I, if someone, if I'm sleeping, I did it as a joke and I didn't do it on purpose, but it was, it was kind of funny. A few weeks ago, I fell asleep with an eye mask, like a sleep mask on, like um, a bedtime mask. And my 14 year old daughter didn't, she came home at nine o'clock at night and I was sound asleep. And didn't she jump on me? Why well, had the, when my eyes were covered, but my implants were out. <sighs> I, I, I've never been so shocked awake. And it was like electric shock woke me. And I almost had an anxiety attack and I'm on the ground. And I'm thinking, don't ever wear one of those masks again to block out the light. Cause I didn't realize I was cutting off all my senses. You know, even listening to that story, I felt a mild panic. It would be just out from nowhere, like a, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
You know, it's fascinating um, to talk about identity. And I did not fully realize that you were a bilateral cochlear implant um, recipient. And that's interesting. You talk about identity. Um, and so clearly you, you talk about your identity as, as a hearing aid user, as a cochlear implant recipient. Um, is, is it really identity? I'm just wondering, when you say identity, um, does that mean with the community or it's just here I am? This is what makes up me now. And it becomes- yes, yeah. I, I, to me, it's more sense of self. So I'm referring to how I feel as a person. Um, then your identity with the community. I mean, that's a whole different that's a whole different identity. So that's another identity, because I mean, at the same time that I was adjusting to losing my hearing and my self-acceptance and who I was and what I was, then there's your identity with other people. So I think that's like almost two different ones because one can be going really well and one might not be going really well either. I mean, it's. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point because I, I, uh, I'm i bimodal myself. So hearing aid and uh, cochlear implant. And I often, we, we read about um, people with hearing loss who feel caught between two worlds in terms of identity in the hearing world. And I have a slightly different take on that. It's the hearing world. It, it's, uh, uh, I don't feel that I'm separate from the hearing world because I don't even think that's a thing, really. It's just uh, another adaptation, a bit of the identity that we have as a person as opposed to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, although I do identify with uh, people with hearing loss because I know instinctively they'll understand who I am or what I experience. And it's kind of what we're talking about. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And people have very different views on that. So, and, and tempers can start to, you know, uh, because it's important for people to have that identity. And when they feel that they don't, we might say, well, clearly you are um, a hearing aid user, but they haven't adapted to that yet, the way you've talked about. So, um, and it, it's really important um, topic. Well, and there's yeah. another le- there's another level to that was I am extreme extrovert. Like I'm an extrovert. I love people. I get my energy off of people. Um, and my hearing loss robbed me of that. And it wasn't until I was given back my cochlear implants in both ears that that self-identity, like I went, I actually turned into literally an intro, a very unhappy introvert where I was fearful and didn't enjoy social situations, conferences. I couldn't speak on stage, even though that was my dream because I was my hearing loss with my hearing aids. It was just getting to a point where it was really difficult. And then the transformation with both my cochlear implants and my being an extrovert and that. So I guess for me, the self-identities, I've gone from being an extrovert to an introvert back to being an extrovert again, where I feel much more confident with who I am as a person. Um, I, I don't like as an audiologist and I actually have an audiologist identity is I really try to be careful how I tread with the hearing identity world, because as a clinician and a hearing professional, I have to respect all views. And I mean, that was big in our clinical training is I have to respect the deaf community and I have to respect like every, the the different words we call ourselves, the different things, audiologists are supposed to respect it all. So I try to always be very careful navigating those words because I don't want to, as an audiologist, I, I have patients who are deaf and I have patients with implants and I have patients who sign and I have patients who, so we have to, I have to respect all their different, um, I try not to get involved in what they, if that makes sense, like as a clinician. It does. And it does. And I, identity is something, it's a topic that 
um, it, it's ongoing and it it it's individual. So um, uh, you're yeah. right. This is another whole podcast. <laughs> I'm I'm very keen to know. So you you uh, with your life experience and your hearing loss journey, uh, it you're bringing that to your interactions with your clients, and it's the uh, how do you share that with other professionals? Um, when you are helping um, new professionals come into their their career, how can you actually share the wisdom that that you have? Because this is something about patient centered care, client centered care that is making all the difference for people like me. And as you say, it's, it's a little hard to be taught, but it can be. How do you do it? Um, well, part of it, actually, when I started it last year, that was my mission. So when I started posting on my Instagram last year, like of my followers, most are audiologists, even on my LinkedIn, like 90% are audiologists and hearing professionals. So when I was, for example, in Mexico last year, and I was with a large group of audiologists, and I was going to the beach, and I had my little Claire bag, and I had my dryer, and I had my ear gear. And they looked at me, my friend, who has been an audiologist for 14, 14, 15 years, she's under practice. She said, I didn't know that you would have to do all that just to go to the beach. And I said, I can't even sit in the like, I can't even walk in the sand and sit in the chair without all this stuff in case I have to take them off and make sure they're secure. Um, And then I have my waterproof covers for my implants. I mean, I had it all. And I think I was trying to start to change what they see happens outside the clinic. So the realities of like, when I go exercise or when I go golfing or I go biking or I'm going into a meeting, like for them to see what actually happens. And I think that's what's missing in audiology is that we don't get any education on the real world. It's all in the sound booth in a test box, which is very important, very important. I'm huge on diagnostics, but then we need to obviously have conversations with our patients on how to live with their hearing loss successfully, how to be confident in their decisions they make when they're going on an airplane or an airport. I mean, I travel a lot. I fly every few weeks. Every single airport is different. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> Flying with hearing loss is something else. And and and, and you're right. Unless... Uh, when they talk, they being all the other audiologists that aren't you, um, when they're talking with their clients about that life, it's really theoretical because they haven't gone through it themselves and they haven't um, gone to a restaurant with their um, their clients. And these things can all be learned. You can read about them, you know, um, especially this time of year, uh, we're inundated with articles on how we, the people with hearing loss, how to survive the holiday season because it is challenging and uh, but still unless you've gone through that um and I, i'm not suggesting that um audiologists need to go live with their clients for a week but i would suggest that they go to a hearing loss conference um or a consumer conference to really um get an added perspective you know what do you think about that and I think that's, I think they need to be around people with hearing loss outside of the clinical environment. So that's basically what you said. So like when I'm traveling with audiologists or the audiologists who are watching me on Instagram post my videos and I'm talking about it and it's it's being outside the clinical environment where they're just seeing what other people, how they're adapting to it. Because I don't think, like you said, they, a conference is a great idea because they don't get to see that. Um, they don't get to experience what, like, 
what we say happens in clinic and then what really ha what happens in theory and then what happens in practice is usually two different things. Um, so yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. And it's something, to be honest with you, it's something like I just because I got my cochlear implants and now I'm getting confident more speaking. And it was this May, it was my first time ever speaking on stage my entire life. Um, <laughs> I was excited is I'm, I'm building up the confidence to speak to my peers about it, but it's obviously hard because if you're not speaking on like evidence-based practice or science, which I love, I'm very into that, but it's hard to get up as an audiologist and preach to my peers about, you know, you should be aware of this. Like you should be thinking about this. So it's trying to, how do we open up the conversation without people getting their backs up or thinking that you're telling them what to do. And that's, 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 that's the challenge of it from a, their healthcare providers. And yes, their main function is healthcare, but the same thing is they still need to be able to either direct people to the resources, teach them about it, have a way to identify who needs what help. Like these things actually could be brought into the clinical world. It's just figuring out how to do it, um, you know, in, in 2023. No, I totally agree with you. Um, my co-author, Sherry Eberts and I, um, uh, since our book was published a year and a half ago, have been speaking together at a number of hearing care professional convention conferences. And at most of them, and I would say all of them, we were approached afterward by saying, this is the first time that we have heard the consumer voice at our conference in and what you're saying. So um, Canadian Audiology Association, I, I've spoken there several times. So, but um, still they go, oh, it's that new perspective. And uh, it's not even new, they know it, but just having um, someone there, a consumer saying, this is how your clients can live more skillfully with hearing loss. And you're right, the challenge is not to say, this is what you need to do, or definitely not, you've been doing it all wrong. And you know, um, there, there's, there's another way, because I fully appreciate the challenges of what you, as hearing care professionals need to get across in limited time. And that's why an ongoing relationship, um, giving the information at appropriate time, yes. being there for them, establishing trust, which is a huge thing. Um, so, but I think it's wonderful that you have added this um, new layer to what you do professionally. And I have noticed that you've been really reaching out to consumers as well in a different way, not just you should get your hearing aid checked, come in and get a hearing aid. Um, and you have, um, you posted something yesterday and I meant to look this up ahead of time and I took a picture of it. Okay. <laughs> something you said, you were really reaching out to consumers. Tell me why you're doing that more and why you're doing it differently. Because I, I, so we go back to my beginning when I wanted to be uh, Mark Ross's article. And when I came to Western University, Ontario, I was from Nova Scotia and I was interested in doing rehabilitation and, um, and nothing knocking rehabilitation, but I think that's the reason why audiology is kind of like, we're stuck in the past. So it has its place in audiology, but the problem is, is that a lot of hearing care professionals and audiologists don't do anything extra because it's either you're doing oral rehab or you're not doing anything. And I think there's a whole world in between that can be, especially in 2023 with Zoom and Facebook groups. And I think the world is wide open now to change the conversation. 
I think connecting with people like life coaches does and fitness coaches with mindset and you know you're not alone and let's talk about all the benefits of treating your hearing loss increase independence relationships intimacy like we're not just talking about hearing better we're talking about connecting better being more intimate um, so I feel like in 2023, we can start teaching audiologists that it doesn't have to be an eight week oral rehab program. And I know that's like, I love it. I think it's great. But what you said, what doesn't connect with today's clinical practice is that it's almost like you're either most places now just don't do anything. So, you know, you don't do zero right? They do, now the definition is, did I do a real ear measure? Like that is like the gold standard or speech and noise test. We do that too. But like, can we just do a little bit more? Can we talk about mindset and say to the patient, did you go into the living with a hearing loss Facebook group? Did you read this book? Maybe did you follow this person on social media? And then what we're doing is we're kind of transferring the patients then to groups and communities where they might identify with something and then start learning together and connecting and growing on their journey. And I, I think that's in 2023 with like Zoom and 2024, um, video online video training. There's just so many possibilities that it doesn't have to be. It's this. It doesn't have to be. I'm going to do like oral rehab or no oral. Like, does that make sense? Oh, it, it, that's what it the problem. Very much makes sense. You know, um, in our book, Sherry and I, um, one of the through lines in our book here and beyond, um, we had both come to this realization prior to working on this. But when I changed my goal from wanting to hear better to wanting to communicate better that changed everything and for both of us. And that is one of the biggest mind shifts to the mindset, making that shift to an actionable uh, mindset that it helps us live more successfully with our journey. I'm never ever gonna be able to hear like I used to. Well, I've had hearing loss all my life, but I've never, um, you know, even with technology. So I hear the way I hear, I can communicate with you. That's wonderful. Um, but I need more and I'm doing more. I'm communicating because I'm streaming through here. Um, captions, um, um, you know, the, the modern age of technology that allows us to communicate better and using all visual cues that quite often people don't realize that we're doing like the subtle I think, you know, it's a good example. People say, well, I don't like seeing the subtitles down there because, um, you know, they're distracting. Well, we found and research shows that, especially with the pandemic, more and more people are using captioning and they realize it's a fluid um, process. Just like when I'm speech reading you, I'm not just staring at your lip. I'm watching your face and I'm watching uh, with the context. The same thing with subtitles, the the brain can do these things very quickly, but it communicating is what we need to um, have people embrace more, not just hearing, but communicating. And, and that's where you, you switched your mindset. So that's where I say like the modern way of audiologists and healthcare providers 
learning to address their patient needs might not be, oh, do they need this program? It might be, do they need a change in their mindset? Do I got to give them some tools or connect them with the community? So we just don't talk like that in clinical audiology. It's, it's, we don't talk like that. Like when I announced this week that I was going to start having my monthly living with a confidently with the hearing loss workshops in Sarnia via Zoom, the audiologist I talked to said, you know, I used to run four week workshops or I used to run, but I'm like, no, these aren't like, these are just, you can come to one or you can pop into one six months from now. Maybe there's going to be one on traveling or there's going to be one on working with your spouse and intimacy and communication. Maybe one applies to you and one doesn't apply to you. And I think that's really key in terms of changing the field and how audiologists think is that not every person with hearing loss needs the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. So um, have you started these? Um... So I'm having my first in Sarnia, December 20th. And then the last Wednesday of every month, I'm going to have an in-person in Sarnia. But then in the new year, I'm going to have Zoom so people can Zoom in and watch. And um, and then I'll be have someone answer one of my team answering questions via the Zoom while they're watching it. And what I'm going to try doing, which has always been my goal, um, I started a year ago, is how do I create an online, with my expertise and background, how do I create this living with a hearing loss? So I called it living confidently, combining both like the life coaching I've learned courses with the mindset approach in audiology. Um, And that's what I'm starting next year. And it's, you know, let's talk about intimacy. And I, I've had, and I mean, this always throws audiologists. I've had patients say to me, you know, it's it, when I take my devices out and I go in the bedroom with my husband in the evening and, and they're like, well, they said that to you. And I'm like, yeah, they would bring that up in the appointment because they were in a safe place. I think this is great. And if there's, uh, uh, you could suggest to them, I suggested it to the hearing husband that I have, but uh, he would not wear glow-in-the-dark lipstick to help with lip reading <laughs> at night. Um, so, it, um, but those are important things. And, you know, lately when I'm doing workshops for different groups around North America, um, people tune in from all over. And I'm saying that because if they're, if what you're doing, once you get it going, if other people can um, tune in to benefit from this, uh, please let me know. And if I can help you in any way, I, I would be pleased to, oh, to do that. You. But um, so here it is, folks, you know, you're hearing it right here. It might be a little <laughs> bit of collaboration. Yeah, that, would going be, on. that would be amazing. I mean, it would be um, wonderful. Amazing. Yeah. Um, we're running short of time and it's been a free ranging conversation with uh, the wonderful Nashley Brogan and um, an audiologist who has hearing loss herself and extremely inspirational because you are talking, you are walking and talking exactly what I believe in and what I'm very passionate about. And it's just been a pleasure to, for you to talk with you and for you, for you to share these things with us. And, and um, I'm sure you're a wonderful inspiration. I'm not sure. I know it'd be an inspiration to other audiologists and to people with hearing loss as well so keep doing what you're doing and maybe next year we'll tune in again we'll have another chat and see how the, the uh, some of your um your courses and your outreach is going along so thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me you've always been inspiration for me and your book and everything you're doing so it's it's amazing so thank you so much too for having me